You're listening to Tahlequah United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. We are a church that strives to have open hearts, open minds, and open doors as we make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And one of the ways that we do that is offering up our sermons for you to listen to. And so we hope you connect with us online at TahlequahUMC.org or on our social media at TahlequahUMC. So enjoy today's message. Our scripture lesson for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Listen to these words. In the fifteenth year of the rule of the emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea and Herod was ruler over Galilee, his brother Philip was ruler over Eutera and Terechna. This is why I'm a theologian, not a biblical scholar. I cannot pronounce names if my life depended on it. So T and L was ruler over Albin. Uh, Boy, it just throws you off, doesn't it? During the high priesthood of Ananias and Caiaphas, and my New Testament professor is rolling over in his grave right now, God's word came to John, son of Zechariah in the wilderness. John went throughout the region of the Jordan River, calling for people to be baptized and to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. This is just as it is written in the scroll in the words of Isaiah the prophet. A voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be fulfilled, and every mountain and hill will be leveled. The crooked will be made straight, and the rough places will be made smooth. All humanity will see God's salvation. May you receive what the Spirit is saying in the reading and hearing of the Scriptures. Thanks be to God. Amen. No matter how hard you rehearse something, sometimes it doesn't work. But that's true of life. No matter how hard we try to practice being like Jesus, sometimes we're going to miss. Sometimes we're, gonna, we're not going to get it right. Sometimes we're, we're, we're not going to be able to pronounce it because maybe we, we just don't have what it takes to be able to read the words on the, on the page. But one of the things that Christmas reminds us of and that Clara teaches us in in the story of the Nutcracker is that waiting and being patient and anticipating is okay. And when we wait and we open ourselves up like like Clara did in in the Nutcracker and and we we receive all uh, of the Christmas brings to us, if we open ourselves up to that possibility and we wait, we take from Clara and wait on Christmas, it's amazing to see how our lives can be touched and changed. And so during this this season of Advent, this season of preparation, of of centering our lives upon the birth of Jesus and the coming with that anticipation of hope that Christ will come again. And and as we wait in that hope like those oh so long ago waited for Jesus to be born, Clara teaches us to wait. 
And during the season of Advent, we've been digging through um, a really good book. And I would encourage you to, to pick up this book and, and read it. It's written by United Methodist Pastor uh, Matt Rawl, and, and the book is The Gift of the Nutcracker. And if you remember, we, we started with Clara, who, who taught us, who gave us an example for waiting for Christmas. And that first week, we focused on the lesson of waiting. And then last week, in our second week of Advent, we let the second blue candle and, and we were introduced to Dulcemeyer, who is Clara's godfather, who, who shows us what love and mercy and grace and, uh, can look like in the midst of the story by providing their gift of the nutcracker. And then as the nutcracker becomes broken because, because of the brother's um, lack of anticipating and lack of wanting to, to share the nutcracker. Breaks the nutcracker, Dulcemeyer fixes the nutcracker, and there we see an example of how God fixes us and is present in our lives and shows us love, mercy, and grace. And we get that example from the nutcracker, and it's something we can carry on, not only in the season of Advent, but in all of our daily lives. And, and then today, this week, we dance with the Mouse King. When you think about this story and you, and you, and you think about the Mouse King as, as it comes into play, it, it's, it's something that was within her. The, the Mouse King was within her. It was, in, you know, and depending on you know, your production level and all that stuff, sometimes they use the brother who broke the, the Nutcracker as the Mouse King. And, and today, I want us to think about those perspectives that we can change when we try to figure out those times in our lives when we become the mouse king because we all have a little bit of the mouse king inside of us there are those times where we take away people's joy there are those times where maybe we're not as um loving as we know we should be there are times where we um are being more like a tyrant king than a loving servant and the mouse king is really a bit of a mystery I mean, he really does kind of come out of Clara's conscience in the midst of this dream, appears out of nowhere. And, and it's not like those mice you see in Cinderella, those loving and caring mice that sing pretty songs. It's like this, in, in all the videos I could find of, of what an image of the Mouse King was, because I, you know, I did some research, they were always these big, ugly, towering figures. They have ugly heads, and, and evil portrays itself as such, doesn't it? Think about your dreams. Your demons aren't pretty, are they? The things you have to fight tend to be a little bit rough, tend to be a little bit challenging, and sometimes they can even look like friends and family, and maybe we have a, a disagreement that we bring with us as we go to sleep. And we hang on to that. The Mouse King opens us up to the idea of perspective and paying attention to how we're living our lives. And the scripture I read for you today, it, it shares with us this idea that, that these kings definitely had their perspectives wrong. They were looking in the wrong direction. And then John comes and, and challenges the people around us to, to make the way straight, to prepare yourselves, get ready. The time is coming when the king is coming, be ready. And this king will make things straight. He will make things all better again. And he'll do all the things that we need for today. Be ready. And then there's this last line in the Gospel of Luke that, that really hit me kind of hard this week. All humanity will see 
God's salvation. Verse 6, all humanity will see God's salvation. And that happens through us. Everything we do is an opportunity to share God's love, how we view God, how we take in God, how we understand God. Every opportunity we do is an opportunity to share our understanding with God in this world. On um, Thursday night, I was at um, Boys and Girls Club, and we'd finished up a coach's, um, coach's meeting. I'd, um, they caught me at a good time, and I said yes to coaching again this year. And um, so I was attending a meeting. I was coming home from the meeting, and I, and I like to look at the church at night. I don't know if you ever have, but it's, it's kind of cool. It's kind of peaceful. It's, it's got this nice little glow about it. And, and when I was looking back, I, I was looking this way, and I looked at the sign, and, and, and this week's sign really spoke to me. Our actions tell the world what we think is important. Our actions tell the world what we think is important. What would it mean for us to change our perspectives, orient our lives upon Jesus, even more than what we do now? What would it take for us to be that self-sacrificing Savior? What would it take for us to open ourselves up to, to giving our whole selves to God and not holding anything back? What would it take? It would take changes, wouldn't it? It would mean a disruption of your schedule, wouldn't it? It would mean that things you do would have to change, wouldn't it? It would open yourself up to a bigger perspective, a more wider view of God and God's love in this world because then when you start to live that way, you start to see how people need God's grace and how you can be a help of that in this world. Yes, you. You have what it takes to change the world. Now, it may not be the world, but it can be your world. And how we live that out in our daily lives, how we show God's love to everyone is important. Even more so in this season, even more so when, when we leave church and we go to eat, wherever we go and eat, I can tell you as someone who worked in the fast food industry, we loathe the day after church on Sundays. We loathe it because the Christians were the worst. I can't tell you how many times I had people working at Brahms that would tell me that, you know, we didn't get the order right. And yes, we got the order right. We did it exactly how it says. In the, we did it. We handed it to them. They didn't like it, and so they'd send it back. And, and, and instead of showing grace and mercy and love like every Christian should, some of the things that were said to me by people who had been to church disturbed me made me wonder about whether following Jesus was worth it. Made me wonder if really this thing I'd started in my life was really something to follow because I saw these people treat people who were serving them in a disrespectful way. And then, a few years later, I'd go and work in, in a Christian bookstore. And you want to know who our worst clients were? Pastors! They want a discount on top of discount. 
They wanted their tax exempt on top of the 20%, on top of the 30% sale, which meant we would have just been giving them the book. Now, as a pastor who likes books, I like free books when they're free. But I learned from that experience not to be that way. I refused to be that way. I remember walking in the Cokesbury, and those ladies loved me when the Cokesbury stories existed because I didn't demand my discounts. I just wanted to buy a book or wanted to know what was on sale and just came in with the expectation and, uh, that, hey, these people are here trying to make a living, and I want to support them in any way that I can. And I try to do the same thing here. When, when I know that someone has a business, I, I, I try to frequent it. Someone I love and care for, I, I spend a lot of time trying to help them and promote their business because I believe in them and what they're doing. I don't do, I don't do it as well as I would love to because I don't have that kind of time, but when someone says they need something, I try to connect them to somebody that I know is running something in our church to help them out. And that's what it means when, when our actions tell the world what we think is important. If we choose to follow Jesus, if we say we're following Jesus, then our actions mirror that in everything we do. And I know that's hard in everything we do when we're driving from here to Walmart in that, that, that intersection. You know what intersection I'm talking about. It is hard to share God's love in that intersection. But we have to because the world needs it. The world needs to see what God's love looks like because there's enough people that aren't doing that who even say they follow Jesus. And we have to share God's love. And I know that's hard and because we all inside of us have the mouse king inside of us that we really we need Jesus, the nutcracker, to vanquish that mouse king. And when we allow that to happen, our lives become touched and changed in such a way that we have to turn around and share that story with the world. One of the worst things we can do is not share our faith. Now, you don't have to sit someone down for a cup of coffee and say, let me tell you, what I, you, know, let me tell you my story. But what you can do is say, this is why I love Jesus. Let me help you. Let me be present in your life. One of the stories that Matt Raw told this week, man, it ate at me. Because it speaks true to how our actions tell the world what we think is important. He told this story that several years ago, a congregation in North Carolina invited a new clergy person to lead the congregation. The church members called her reverend, welcomed her to offer the sermon each Sunday, and followed her lead in committee meetings and mission projects and until there was a disagreement between the pastor and the church administrator about the use of the prayer room and fellowship hall. The pastor wanted the room to remain open as often as possible so that folks would have a place to spend time in prayer. But the church administrator wanted the room locked as often as possible because the room's furnishings might be susceptible to theft and destruction. Having a prayer room too elegant, too decorated to be used for prayer is an altogether different conversation, Rawl reflects. But the debate revealed the truth of the true shepherd of the worshiping congregation. It wasn't long before the prayer room was permanently locked outside of the Sunday school hour and in worship on Sunday mornings. After all, the church administrator, Raw reflects, the church administrator's name was on the outside of the, of the room. 
I love this line. Rawl says, for the record, if your prayer room is too nice to be used, you're doing it wrong. And church, if, if our prayer room is too nice for anybody to use, we're doing it wrong. Sharing the gospel is messy. Being in the kingdom is messy. Going where the people are is messy. And it's going to cause things to wear and tear over time. We don't buy things to use to not be used. That always blows my mind church. And I've been in churches where there are sacred things. We were gifted so long ago and we don't ever use it. But it looks really nice on the shelf, doesn't it? We are called to share. We are called to be servants. And when we allow that mouse king to run rampant in our lives, we are not living the way that God had planned. Verse 6 says, all humanity will see God's salvation. All of humanity is watching you. And letting your mouse king run wild makes our job that much harder. And so we need a nutcracker to come and vanquish those mouse kings in our lives. We need a savior who loves us and cares for us no matter where we are on life's journey to say, it's okay, it will be better, follow me. We need to let go of those things that hold us back and be willing to live God's way, share God's story, and serve God's people in a way that people will know that we are Christians by our love, not just by our t-shirts. So church, if we believe that we are a church where even the Grinch is welcomed, which is what our van says right now, which is what we drove all through Tahoe last Friday night, then we have to live it. And we have to be open to those opportunities to share God's grace and humility. Because humanity is watching. May we open our eyes to see God at work in our lives and God at work through us. Let us pray. God of grace, thank you for the good news that ours is in Jesus the Christ. That because of a sacrifice, we have the promise of abundant life here and now and the hope of eternal life to come. May this good news be like a br brilliant light shining in the darkness, dispelling any anxiety, fear, sadness that would threaten to rob me of your joy that you provide for us. Lord, may we be open to you. And all of us gathered here said, Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, and we hope you connect with us at TahlequahUMC.org.